You're listening to episode 194 of the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we talk about our work and what to do when it's more of a survival dance than a sacred offering. Welcome to the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we explore how to use the science of psychology, Eastern spiritual practices like mindfulness and compassion, and the game-changing work of self-coaching so you can free your mind and free your life. I'm your host, Anna Verzoni. Hey, hey, my friends. Listen, I have got snow up to the top of the banister of the deck. Like the entire deck is full of snow all the way up to the edge. Yeah, I let my dog out to pee the other day. I think that actually this was yesterday. And she came back in in like two seconds. And I was like, what the fuck? And I went out the door to check out what was going on, like why it was so quick. And I was like, oh, her trip was so short because she couldn't make it through the deck and down the stairs to the backyard because the snow was like several times taller than she was. So anyway, all I know is I've got some shoveling to do. So that's what I'm going to do when I'm done recording this. Okay. Okay. So listen, today I wanted to talk about when we are needing to do a survival dance before getting to embody our sacred dance, our soul purpose. And by survival dance, I don't mean just like we're scraping by to survive, but I mean like this is what we do to pay the bills, like how we sustain our life on a daily basis and get our needs met. And this topic is really near and dear to me because I remember how hard it was for me to be working in a job when I was building the delivery system for my sole purpose. When I was a midwife, you know, I loved, and if I still did it, I would say I love catching babies. That was the best for many years. And for over a thousand babies, I really loved my job. But then I had my soul encounter and realized I was meant to do something related but different, soul midwifing. Now, while I loved catching babies, you know what I didn't like about being a nurse midwife? Paperwork, reviewing charts, writing refers, filling out admin crap. And, you know, in one week, how many days is catching babies? One. And every fifth, week, I would have a weekend of catching babies. And I also later didn't like the sleep deprivation, especially after I'd had my own baby and was so tired. So most of the time was in this other stuff I didn't like. And at that time, there wasn't, you know, like these days they have positions where, you know, yeah, you're just catching babies. And maybe I would have loved that. But Probably not, because either way, I would have been continually drawn to the soul purpose, like even deeper layer, right? So what happened was I started to really resent my job while I was trying to build my coaching business. And I hated the paperwork and all that, right? Like I was miserable. And the only days I consistently loved were when I was on call. And I love the other midwives I worked with too, but with busy clinic days, I barely got to even socialize with them, right? One day I'd had enough of being 
miserable. And I realized that because I didn't have a chunk of capital to dump into my business and was doing everything myself, like from building my own website to doing my own graphics, it was going to be a slow process getting my business to a place where it was sustaining me. So you know what I did? I decided that I would be grateful that I had a job that was one I generally loved and was honorable and something that I'd worked so hard to get to. And I decided I would look at it like I was getting paid to start my own business. I was getting paid to begin to embody my sole purpose. So every time I arrived and there was a stack of charts that were faxed over for me to review, at first my mojo would sink. And then I'd be like, okay, wait up, girl. You are getting paid to build your business without being stressed about getting clients. Enjoy this. Enjoy the luxury of time as you build this. And I have to say, this made a huge difference to see my survival dances fueling my sacred offering. Of course, there was a part of me that was really frustrated, maybe even a little ashamed, that I wasn't jumping into my coaching business like some of my peers who quit their jobs right away and whatnot. But I also had a lot of self-compassion because I didn't have the same history of financial security that most of them did. And I didn't have the same safety net either. My parents didn't even own their own home. My dad was in the VA geriatric psych facility, terminally ill. My mom lived in a low-income active retirement building. So if I went broke, I couldn't move in with either of them. And I have no siblings, you know? So I have a very felt sense of what it's like when we can sometimes feel like failures when our work doesn't seem to be our life purpose, or that it's slowing us down from embodying our life purpose. So in this episode, we explore how to move between our survival dance and our sacred offering in a way that is sustainable and not draining. Like in my example, it can be a gift to get paid and have the stability to explore our sacred dance, our sacred offering, our soul purpose. This is from Bill Plotkin's Soulcraft. Harley Swift Deer, a Native American teacher, says that each of us has a survival dance and a sacred dance, but the survival dance must come first. Our survival dance, a foundational component of self-reliance, is what we do for a living, our way of supporting ourselves physically and economically. For most people, this means a paid job. For members of a religious community like a monastery, it means social or spiritual labors that contribute to the community's well-being. For others, it means creating a home and raising children or finding a patron for one's art or living as a hunter or gatherer. Everybody has to have a survival dance. Finding and creating one is our first task upon leaving our parents or guardians home. Interesting, right? So once you have your survival dance established, then we can wander inwardly and outwardly searching for clues to our sacred dance, you know, this work that we were born to do. 
And this work, as you've heard me say many times, may have no relation to our job. Our sacred dance is about our service to others at our most authentic and truest expression of it. We know we found it when we're like, yeah, there's not much else I'd rather be doing, right? Where like getting paid for it would be secondary. You know, we'd probably pay others to let us do it if we had to. So this is why self-reliance is so important. Not just the economic kind, but also the social, psychological, spiritual kind. Because on the path to find our sacred dance, we're going to need to take significant risks. You know, we might need to move against the grain of our family and friends and cultural norms. So by honoring psychological self-reliance, which I think of as ziji, you know, that Tibetan word for inner radiant confidence in ourselves, it will be easier to stay focused on our goals even in the face of challenges or when we're confused. In times of enigma, of not knowing, when we fail for the first time or first few times, right? When we hit roadblocks or are limited by things we have no control over, like pandemics or say seemingly impenetrable bureaucracy, right? So spiritual self-reliance helps us stay connected to the truth that is deep within us, this unshakable truth, what we've learned about how the cosmos and the world works, what makes people tick, what makes society tick, what makes our hearts feel alive, right? So we need to get through these challenging times because, as Swift Deer says, once we discover our sacred dance and learn effective ways of embodying it, you know, landing on a delivery system that helps us bring our gift to the world, then the world will support us in doing exactly that. But so many of us give up before our efforts have come to fruition. But Swift Deer says that what our soul wants is what the world also wants and needs. So Bill shares that our human community will say yes to our soul work and will, in effect, pay us to do it, if not in money, in celebration and validation and appreciation and gratitude. Ideally, but not necessarily, our sacred dance becomes what we do and our former survival dance is no longer needed. Now, like I said before, we can have many possible delivery systems for our unique soul purpose, but you know, under it all, there's only one sacred dance as the world supports us to do what what we find most fulfilling, right? It can just be manifested in different ways, but our unique dance, there's only one. So how do we get there? You know, we always want to know the how, right? I think so many people would take more risks if they could be guaranteed the how and told the exact steps, but that's rarely the case. It's rarely ever that clear. Most of the time we wander, we experiment, we get feedback from our attempts. And, you know, the world gives us feedback before we finally land at our sacred dance. But what I do know is that the first step is creating a foundation of ZG, 
that radiant inner confidence, right? Because it's made up of self-reliance, knowing we have our own back, not just with scrappiness and resilience and whatnot, but also knowing our values, having a sense of integrity. You know, this is why in Freedom School, we cultivate these skills, you know, to create this foundation. They are foundational to the rest of the soul work. The foundation also means we try to find or create a survival dance of integrity, you know, that allows us to be in the world in a way that feels aligned. You know, it's psychologically sustaining, economically sustaining, socially responsible, and environmentally sound. And in Buddhism, we talk about cultivating right livelihood, right? It's part of the Noble Eightfold Path. And this foundation is essential preparation and foundational for our soul work. That's why, right, livelihood is part of the Noble Eightfold Path. When you don't have it, the rest of the path is really hard to follow, right? Getting to our sacred dance, getting to our sacred offering to our people as well. So we can't skip this step because either one, we aren't making enough money and are constantly in survival mode, and therefore we don't have the, what is now a privilege to pursue our birthright of discovering and embodying our soul purpose, or two, we are making enough money, but we're out of integrity. So this causes distress in our minds and in our souls, and we can't focus properly on the path of discovering our soul purpose. Our soul is too conflicted to be able to clearly see our soul purpose, right? So I think of my story when I was a midwife, I'm so grateful that I had a profession that I loved, that was honorable, and that paid me enough to have the free time to focus on exploring my soul purpose. Prior to that, as a climbing guide, same. I felt the same way. Different needs then. So I was getting paid enough then for that time in my life, not for later, but... Oh, and then I also think of friends who have professions that they find rewarding and pay some, but not enough. So they're constantly barely getting needs met and it's hard to get ahead enough to have the time, energy, and means to explore their sole purpose. And others have jobs that their mind can't be at peace in. You know, maybe they're working for the oil industry. I have a couple of friends in this conflict, right? And their heart aches at the environmental suffering. Or some for whom maybe the only job they can find involves great aspects like flexibility, decent pay, like maybe bartending, but they feel out of alignment serving people alcohol who are addicted to it, for example. And I want to emphasize here that this isn't about shaming if you're in a less than ideal work situation. I'm hoping that this might just help us see why it can feel like we're stuck in a certain situation on the path. Like some of us might wonder, why am I 50 years old, 40 years old, 60 years old, whatever it is, and I still don't know my sole purpose? Well, it could be related to this. And much of this is about the structure of society in these times. I mean, ideally in our society, we would be supported in this exploration like it is in more traditional land-based cultures, or at least in many of them, that value and appreciate the importance of knowing one's sole purpose and valuing how important that is for society as a whole. 
But in modern industrialized growth society, it's increasingly and unfortunately a privilege, right? One that many don't have access to. So yes, the survival dance is an important foundation. And while it doesn't have to be perfect, ideally it does have those elements of integrity, allowing us to live in alignment in the world, one that's psychologically sustaining, economically sustaining, socially responsible, and again, environmentally sound, because we are interbeing with all that is, like we talked about last week. You know, we aim for that as best we can without judgment, knowing we are aiming as best we can. So this dancing between the two also comes up again later on the path. Right? Like when we're trying to embody our soul purpose after we first learn what our soul purpose is. So then we're like, okay, oh my gosh, I know it. So, you know, the first bit is like just getting the circumstances right so we can even know our soul purpose. Then once we know it, then we go through the same conundrum, right? So we're, we're trying to do work that feels resonant with our soul purpose our survival dance, but it may still be a while before we truly begin our soul work, even though we know it, right? So like some people might be a therapist in an established group practice while they wait to start their own business, or some might work as a teacher and guide their own trips during summer break, right? During my years after my most recent soul encounter, I worked primarily as a midwife and functional medicine practitioner while I was also continuing to build my coaching business. Those didn't have a direct relationship to, you know, the midwifing and um, functional medicine didn't have a direct relationship to my skills as a soul midwife, but I was lucky that they were contributing and allowing me to kind of hone some of the skills I was developing for my soul purpose. And even though coaching was somewhat related to soul midwifing for me, at that time, it was at a level that wasn't as deep as the soul midwifing I ultimately felt called to do in the underworld. And you know, when I look back on it, I likely wasn't really ready for that at that time. You know, and then I became a new mom, which while that led to amazing growth on many levels. There were also its challenges, which I've shared here, right? And on a practical level, there was even less time for focusing on my own soul exploration. So while I was really skilled at what I was doing in, you know, midwifing, functional medicine, coaching, and my patients and clients got amazing results, my soul purpose still hadn't been fully embodied yet. And my survival dance, or I guess more accurately, dance says, because I had like three or four gigs going at one time so that I could have the flexibility while I built my business. They allowed me to help others to prepare for their soul encounters later in life. And it also helped them move from psychological adolescence into true emotional and psychological adulthood, right? To create lives of more freedom, abundance, and developing this really important foundation that would support their soul exploration later. And it helped me by giving me time and resources to fully step into experimenting with different delivery systems and going deeper into my own process. You know, even though it was slower than it might have been in different circumstances, all of it supported ultimately supported my developing into a soul midwife, right? So the reason I'm sharing this 
is because it's important to know, and I'm sure many of you know this intuitively, but I just want to validate it for you, that the social roles we inhabit in our survival dance impact us as much as they impact others. And the simple act of being in that role can change us. The potential's there for it to change us and the potential's there to move us further along the path, you know? So related to this is one cool way we can take advantage of our current survival dance is if we have an idea of what our soul purpose is, or even just, you know, some ways that we want to explore possibilities, we can practice embodying this in our current survival dance for our people to experience. So, you know, we're doing this in ways of being that don't require a specific delivery system per se. It's more in how we're being in our everyday endeavors or within the skills of our earlier vocation. And this gives us invaluable practice. So then when we've had our first soul encounter, you know, and we wonder, okay, well, man, I was struggling with finding a survival dance with integrity. Now we have our soul encounter. It's like, okay, well now what am I supposed to do with this survival dance I have? You know, and maybe like in my case, the skills and knowledge we develop will be relevant to our delivery system, but maybe they won't. Either way, we'll need to develop skills and acquire knowledge that we don't have yet. So even if we can deliver our soul offering within our current survival dance, we'll still likely have to develop something new within that context. Like for me, that was going from freedom school to creating the adventure mastermind, the deepest soul midwifery in my offerings, right? Or maybe we need to move into an entirely new job or social role. But many of us continue to operate within our formal role until we're ready to move to develop a new one, or maybe we are content and feel like we're able to manifest our sole purpose, you know, in our current iteration of, of our dance that we're in. And we can be patient, right? When we have an aligned survival dance, there's less pressure, right? When it meets that criteria that I laid out earlier. So we need a survival dance as well as a sacred dance, our sacred offering, our soul purpose. So don't worry if you're in what you'd call a survival dance instead of a sacred dance. You're definitely not alone. And knowing this, what are some ways you can add some of these foundational elements to your survival dance or to explore as you look for a new one? You know, one that is of integrity, psychologically sustaining, economically sustaining, socially responsible, and environmentally sound. Ideally, we have all those elements, but like I said, we can do our best in the meantime. So I want to end with this poem by Mary Oliver. Many of you have heard the final lines, but most don't ever hear the full poem. So I'm going to read Summer Day. It's not too long. So enjoy this. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean, the one who has flung herself out of the grass, the one who is eating sugar out of my hand, who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down, who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. 
Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I've been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? All right, my friends, I've got some new goodies for you brewing. We're getting started with the 2024 cohort of the Adventure Mastermind now. So between this beautiful snowfall that I'm in, and the arrival of fall, I will be incubating this amazing new offering for you. And just as a hint, it has to do with Mary's last two questions in that poem, okay? So that's all I'm going to give you for now. All right, until next week. If you like what you heard, spread the love and share it. And if you want to learn more about how to free your mind and free your life, check out rebelbuddhist.com and grab my free Rebel Buddhist training kit where you'll receive a video training on cultivating resilience, a copy of the gorgeous Rebel Buddhist Manifesto, and more. That's rebelbuddhist.com.